This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. The Department of Homeland Security announced it would not be applying the H-1B selection final rule, which was introduced on January 7th by the Trump administration. This would have changed the current random lottery H-1B selection process to prioritizing high-wage earning and more experienced applicants. Erickson Immigration Group's Managing Director, Hilla Amber, joins to share how to be best prepared during the lottery season. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Basically, the way that the pre-registration system took place last year is what um, applicants can now anticipate this year. The only deviation is that whereas last year the pre-registration period opened on March 1st, this year it's going to open on March 9th and it's going to remain open until March 25th with lottery results being um, released between March 26th and March 31st. So with the exception of a little bit of a change in terms of the window in which pre-registration submissions can actually be submitted, the data required for purposes of pre-registration is the same. Got it. Um, So just in general, um, how should one best prepare for this year's lottery? When should they start the process? They should start the process right away. They should start the process as soon as their company or their immigration provider uh, allows them to do. Because you want to make sure that even though there's only really like six key data points required for purposes of a pre-registration form, you've got all your ducks in a row and you are able to provide that information to your attorney uh, at the earliest possible date. So if you have the opportunity to initiate a case with your law firm and go ahead and upload, you know, whatever information the lawyer is requesting from you or provide your passport number or what have you, you should go ahead and do that. Got it. Um, Is there any significant changes that we should be aware of, one on the client side or employees just in general? So there's not any significant changes that are going to take place with respect to the pre-registration system. Um, I think there are a few unanswered questions. So one of the unanswered questions is how long a regular processing H-1B petition will take before it's approved, because across the board, folks have been seeing processing delays some as a result of COVID, some as a result of bandwidth that, you know, at USCIS in terms of, you know, uh, staffing issues or budget issues. Um, So I think that the, you know, one of the concerns is, well, once I find out that I am selected, if my attorney files an HOMB petition on my behalf, how long before I actually know whether or not it was approved? I think another unanswered question is whether or not folks can expect non-selection notices on time this year, as opposed to folks who were not selected in the last season. Um, Just to put it into context, individuals who applied in March of 2020, who were subsequently not selected in the lottery that was conducted a few days later, didn't get non-selection notices until now, you know, as in like a few days ago. So, I think they were pretty much assuming they weren't selected at that point, but still a a written confirmation that a lot of these folks never got. So that's definitely something else that people are gonna be watching out for. And I think the main question that a lot of um, beneficiaries have that are participating in the cap season this year is what the situation will be with respect to premium processing. 
uh, the reason I say that is because historically premium processing has been suspended for H-1B CAP applicants. And um, if I remember correctly, last year premium processing was suspended and then was gradually brought back. You know, we had to subsequently upgrade a certain type of H-1B CAP subject petition versus another. And so that is also something that I think a lot of participants are gonna be um, watching very carefully this year. You kind of answered it a little bit previously, but uh, in terms of previous years, how much different, how much the same, and what role does COVID play in this process? Has it changed the process significantly or, or not? So in my opinion, it has changed the process significantly. And the reason I say that is not because technically the process is different. I think the process itself was overhauled when the pre-registration process went into effect last year. The reason I say that in my opinion, um, COVID has impacted the H-1B cap process significantly is because of the applicant experience. I've been doing this a very long time. And what I can tell you is a lot of H-1B um, applicants are students and hmm. they are more comfortable engaging in international travel as an H-1B visa holder than maybe as an F-1 student. And over the years, what I noticed was a very common occurrence after an individual officially changed over to H-1B status as of October 1st was that following December, you know, over the holidays, the first thing that person was doing was going back to their home country. They were either visiting family. Um, in many instances, they were getting married. Uh, and then what they would do is they would go through um, the visa stamping process and then return to the U.S. as an H-1B visa holder for the first time. Obviously, that's not going to be applicable this year for two reasons, perhaps three reasons. Um, many individuals feel that uh, travel of any sort is dangerous just from a um, virus transmission perspective. Secondly, there are still significant travel restrictions in place, be it entry restrictions to other countries, but then also um, restrictions on an individual's ability to return to the United States depending on where they've traveled, right? Uh, and then third, even if magically the existing COVID-related um, restrictions were to just disappear, the backlog that has been created as a result of all of 2020 and the interruption in international travel uh, over the course of an entire year means that even if somebody is fortunate enough to successfully travel back to their home country, not face any re-entry restrictions to the United States, um, and also you know, not be subject to any sort of executive order or presidential proclamation, they still face a significant delay in just the practicality of normal visa processing, the ability to get an appointment, you know, uh, or how long they have to wait in line before they even get that visa turned around to them. So as a result of these factors, uh, international travel is highly discouraged. And I feel like because international travel is highly discouraged, that is gonna have a significant impact on the experience of the individuals that are involved in this process. As far as we're looking at it, that's 
only going to continue <laughs> for the foreseeable unfortunately, future. Un unfortunately, I think you're absolutely right. I think that international travel restrictions are only going to continue. Now, there is uh, an existing um, you know, presidential proclamation that has a hard and fast expiration date of March 31st, 2021. To be quite honest with you, I have no clue whether or not that's going to be extended. You know, um, mm -hmm. there are other travel restrictions in place based on the country um, you know, that the individual seeks to travel to, yeah. and those don't have an expiration date in my mind either, or at least uh, to my knowledge, there's no uh, indication as to whether or not those will be further extended. And so as a result, I don't see international travel restrictions easing until best case scenario after Q2 2021. <sighs> there you have it. And that's me being optimistic. Right, right. <laughs> Something just to keep in, in mind of uh, potential uh, outcomes and projections. Now, in terms, how is business immigration uh, looking at this new administration and the landscape for immigration services? Um, how does this new transition um, affect immigration services? So I think the industry as a whole is bullish on the new administration. We are looking at the Biden administration with um, at least some degree of optimism. Uh, I think that that is natural considering the previous administration, which, you know, sure. politics aside, um, had, let's just say, a very specific stance on, you know, immigration issues. Uh, I think that what was a bit confusing to some of us who have been following, you know, proposed rules, um, you know, proposed immigration reform was the vague nature of, you know, Biden's immigration reform and the lack of specificity with respect to legal immigration and employer-sponsored immigration. So it's not that there was anything in there that was necessarily bad. It's just that there wasn't anything in there that was necessarily clear or specific. So I feel like that may have caused like slight confusion, but not enough to make the industry as a whole lose its optimism. Right. And usually in the first hundred days, you're rolling out big action plans and they don't have the full game plan worked out. So this is a ongoing sort of process. And so it usually starts out pretty vague. And once they have their experts on the team, they can hash out the details. Uh, but that's good to know on the business immigration side to just to understand the, the general sentiment. So Hiba, I, I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, was there anything else specific to H-1B, anything that we should should know? I think what we should talk about is the wage rule that was going to prioritize um, H-1B participants based on their wage. Um, as we mentioned earlier, that is no longer applicable. It's not going to take effect with this lottery season. Um, and I think that what's important to understand about that is this is a change that would essentially, according to some, it would turn the H-1B lottery system into like a pay for play, you know, because the way that it was being described right. was if you're receiving a level four wage, you're pretty much guaranteeing the fact that you're going to be selected. If you are earning a level three wage, you are still guaranteeing the fact that you're going to be selected. Um, and that's not necessarily 
aligned with the reality on the ground, right? Oftentimes people participating in the H-1B lottery are new graduates and they um, have to uh, receive a salary that is commensurate to the market, you know, to their sponsoring uh, employers' wage bans. And so the fact that this new rule is delayed and not going to take effect as of this year, I think is saving um, immigration attorneys from a huge headache uh, and also increasing um, the chances of being selected based on degree, which is what participants were already expecting in terms of you know the experience and the likelihood of success going into this lottery season. Okay, well, well that's good. Well, um, if anything new comes up in the H-1B process, we'll be sure to update our audience and maybe have you maybe have a, a, a different uh, guest we'll have some new new faces and new names uh to to jump on maybe come join you i am happy to pass the torch to the younger <laughs> right. and cooler folks at the firm impossible Thank you to Lee Researcher, Con Branch, Assistant Producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.